All right, all right, everybody. This is the Master Passive Income Podcast, and I am Dustin Heiner, and we talk all about real estate rental properties and how we can quit our jobs with real estate and investing in real estate and getting passive income. Now, passive income is my favorite way to make money. Now, if you think of other ways to make money, like you work a job and you get paid for that hour. Basically, you give your boss an hour of your life doing X, Y, or Z, whatever it might be, but you give one hour of your life and you get a payment for that one hour of your life. Well, passive income and what we talk about in Master Passive Income Podcast is completely opposite, where you work one time and that one time makes you money over and over and over again every single month. Now, today's session, session number 12, we're gonna be talking about the good and bad of a cheap rental property. Now, these cheap rental properties are rental properties that you would find for maybe ten, twelve thousand dollars total. So all out of pocket would be cash of like twelve thousand, at most fifteen thousand dollars per property. Now, I'm going to say that I have a love-hate relationship with these cheap rental properties. I got started with them and they really helped me get my business going. Now that I have my business going, I understand how to handle cheap rental properties. All right, guys, let's jump into session number 12 where we talk all about investing in cheap rental properties. All right, let's get started and let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, all you party people, let's get started in today's session number 12. Now, today we're talking again about cheap rental properties and the good and bad. Now, all the time I get asked, how did I get started investing in real estate? What was my first property? Um, how did I buy it? What and, and how did I go from living in California to buying my first property in Ohio? Well, let me tell you that story. So, in 2006, when I first started investing and looking into investing, I was really trying to figure out how to invest wisely, but then also get a good return on my money. And so living in California, all the properties were so ridiculously expensive. And if you remember 2006, that's when the market was really taken off for real estate. And 2007 was, was crazy high. 2008 was right before it burst in 2009 when the bubble burst and the real estate bubble and the economy went downhill so fast. But in 2006, that's when I started really looking at buying properties. And I decided that there's no way I can invest in California because the prices of the homes were so high and I would not make any money every month because my expenses would ex exceed my income. I would not make cash flow from the properties and I realized there's no way I could actually buy any of these properties and make money so I decided to look other places. Now here's how it actually happened where I started to figure out other places as well as other types of properties to buy. You know in California where I lived in Fresno it was a $250,000 house it was a normal three bedroom two bath house so it was really really expensive but you could only rent it for like twelve thirteen hundred dollars Absolutely, you would never make money with a property like that. At least in my experience, you can't. So what I started to do was start looking around. I started looking on Zillow.com, which I um, have heavily uh, use all the time in my business. But um, at first, I had no clue how to use any of these things. I was teaching myself from the very beginning. But if you go to my website, I actually have 
a video that I walk through how I now find properties with Zillow and how I analyze them. So go to my my website, masterpassiveincome.com and find that uh, video. It's really super easy to find. Go into resources, you can find it. Uh, but anyways, I started looking through Zillow, looking for properties, started looking all over the country because I figured, you know, as long as I get a property manager, it should be okay. Well, yes and no. <laughs> you have to know what you're doing if you're going to do that. But um, what was actually funny is I couldn't find any decent properties, but somehow I looked on eBay. I don't know why, but I looked on eBay for properties for sale. Never did that in the past, but I went on eBay, looked for properties, and I found duplexes for sale for like $65,000 in Ohio. Now, I, went, I looked all over the country, but for some reason, my eyes just wandered to Ohio. And I saw this duplex that they were asking sixty dollars to $65,000 for it. And I thought, well, man, in California, $65,000 duplex, that's fantastic. You know, I wonder how much you could rent it for. I wonder, you know, what the expenses are going to be like. I wonder if I can make money. Well, it turns out that $65,000 for a duplex was actually a very, very expensive duplex over there in Ohio in a specific area that I was investing in. And so what I decided to do was do more research because I thought, well, let me see. If I can buy a single family home that's cheaper and rent it out, let's see if I can make money. So I really started looking in this one particular area. And as I was drilling down and looking, I realized that duplexes were not the best ones to buy because you would not make nearly as much rent. You would pay more money for the property, but you would not have that much more in rent because when it turns out, people would rather live in a single family home than in a duplex right next to somebody or underneath or on top of somebody. So you get a lot less in rent. So in realizing that $60,000 was expensive, I started looking at single family homes. So in this one particular area, I started looking at other homes for sale and realized that some are selling for like $25,000 for an actual home. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's really cheap. I wonder how much you could rent it for. Well, it turns out you could rent it for about $500, $550. Now that, if you can get a mortgage for that, that's a actually really good um, amount of cash flow coming in, in passive income every single month. So from finding a place on eBay, and going in Ohio, I realized, okay, I'm going to go with this area. So I started looking for properties through Craigslist as well in this one particular area in Ohio. And I found an investor that was selling like 10 different properties and he had, you know, $25,000 here, um, $22,000 there, you know, just different prices for different properties. And I thought, you know what? I really want to invest. I want to buy one of these properties off of him. And so I called him up, started talking to him, called up his property manager that he used, started talking to her. And after talking and analyzing and figuring out if I want to start investing, and I, I got to say that I didn't do many things right at all. The one thing right was actually buying one property and getting started, getting my feet wet. That was the one thing right. Everything else I did wrong. So you got to listen listen to all my mistakes because I try to give you all my mistakes as well as my successes so you can learn from my mistakes. So anyways, I talked to a really good friend of mine who is into real estate. He's a contractor. He has other properties. I talked him into flying from California all the way out on a red eye to uh, to Ohio. So we were there for two days, um, really, really, really tired from, from all the traveling um, on the red eye. But then uh, the next morning went gung-ho, talked to realtors, talked to property managers, saw the properties. Um, we probably walked through at least a dozen properties, seeing what the area is like, seeing what the clientele is like, which side's the bad side of town. 
all these different things that we walked through in a two-day, you know, hurried, fast-paced way of looking at this entire area. And mind you, I didn't even have a property under contract. I had never bought an investment property before, so I didn't know really what I was looking for. I was just trying to make sure that my <laughs> incomes exceeded my expenses. So after that, I decided to um, buy one of the houses that I saw. So we found a realtor that was working out really well. And uh, he showed me one property, went through the property, and out of all the dozens of properties that we looked at, I actually bought one. And they were asking like $25,000, and I think at the time it was 2007, 2006, 2007, but they were asking uh, $25,000 for the house. And I thought, you know what, that still seems kind of expensive. So I offered like sixteen, fifteen, dollars or $16,000. We settled on $17,000. It was a bank owned, an REO, um, real estate owned from a bank. Um, foreclosure. And so I bought the property for $17,000. And I remember that specifically because that was like my entire life savings with my wife. Like she had money. I had a little bit of money. We came together. And after we got married, like this was like six months after we got married, I said, honey, I want to buy, I want to buy an investment property. I'm going to take all of our money and buy a property. She was definitely against it, but I persuaded her um, and eventually bought the property. So now looking back now in 2006, 2007, when I bought it, um, $17,000 was actually a good price, but then with the economy hitting and getting worse and worse, it was actually kind of expensive in the long run. Here, I'll tell you something that I actually bought a home. So it was another uh, one of my properties. The bank was asking like $22,000 for the home. I thought there's no way that's ridiculous. If we can settle for like $12,000, something like that, that would be good. So I offered $6,500. Can you believe that? $6,500 cash. So no mortgage on top of that. I'm just literally going to give them $6,500 for the entire property. Well, what was funny was the bank did not even respond. They did not even say no. They didn't even say, oh, I can't believe you gave us that crappy of an offer. They didn't say anything. And so I just went on my merry way, started buying other properties that I found and just completely forgot about that property. And then lo and behold, six months later, I get a call from my realtor who says, hey, is that offer that you put on the table for $6,500, is that still valid? Like, would you still take that property for $6,500? And I said, of course, why? And he said, well, the bank just called. They said they're willing to take your offer at $6,500. I said, they're not even countering? Well, that's fantastic. Let's go and take it. So I bought that property for $6,500. I think it cost me like, I don't know, $1,500 to fix up to get it rented. Got it rented for $450 to $500 a month. Great income producing property. I think within two years, I had my money back. It was all my money, all literally all my money back. And then year after year, just make money hand over fist from that property. Now, I have lots of cheap rental properties because they were so, they are so lucrative where you pay a little bit of money out front but you make money hand over fist. But there are some pitfalls, some things to watch out for. So in an area of the country where it's really depressed, the economy's down, the the people that live in the area are, are uh, lower to middle class. And I mean, imagine this one area, somebody should be able to, should, I, I say should because I'm not in their shoes, but imagine saving up $6,500 and buying an, a home and not having a mortgage on the property. That would be awesome. But the people in this area, they either don't want to own homes or they just can't raise up that money. I'm not sure how it works out, but I try my best to get good properties that they can rent because if they don't want to own a home, they're probably going to rent because everybody has to have a place to live. So that was basically how I bought my first property and subsequent properties. Again, um, I built my business starting with cheap rental properties and I refinanced that first property, took all the cash out, bought another property, 
took all the cash out by refinancing that second property, then bought a uh, third and fourth property with that money. Basically with my $17,000, I recycled that like four or five times over and over again to build my business to what it is today. Um, and then you know, subsequently I recycled it many, many more times. It's just fantastic recycling all that money over and over again. And I do have a podcast episode that shows you how you can recycle your money over and over again by refinancing properties, pulling money out, buying another property, then refinancing, pull the money out, buying another property with cash. So it's if you want to listen to it, it is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 006. So it's session number six. Go back and find that one if you want to go to the show notes. If you want to see it on my website, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 006. So that talks about how you recycle your money. And there is a formula for it. It's really, really super easy. So it's buy a property, number one. Rehab the property, basically get it fixed up rent the property, then refinance the property once you have that property all rented. Then you recycle, you repeat that money all over again. It's B-R-R-R-R method. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, then repeat, refinancing that property over and over again. Taking that money back out, buying more properties. Taking that money back out again, buy more properties. I built my business so fast because of this. Anyways, let's go back to the cheap rental properties. Now, after I bought that first property for $17,000, I rented it out for $550. Now, needless to say, I was hooked. I was literally hooked because all that money was just, because I had $17,000 and I have a mortgage, had very low expenses. So I was pocketing about $450 a month in passive income. Can you believe that? Going from no passive income to automatically getting $450 a month in passive income. That was just a, like if I was a fish, I was hook, line, and sinker. I was done. So let me tell you about the good side of buying cheap rental properties. The good things about it. One is the barrier to entry into the real estate business is extremely low, like the barrier, like what's stopping you from buying your first property? Usually it comes down to money or it comes out to being worried about losing that money and being scared about that. So the barrier to entry is very, very low because a lot of people should be able to save up. I mean, they have to work hard and save hard and cut expenses, but you could possibly save up $6,500 to buy one property. And if that one property makes you $400 a month, $350 a month, whatever it might be. If that brings that in, that's passive income. You can then save to buy another property. And so people that would be able to potentially save up $6,500, they can buy a cheap rental property like this and start making money. But also what you could do is it possibly use that as an FHA loan down payment on a $150,000 loan where you're only paying 3.5% down and you can buy a $100,000 home for $3,500 and still have plenty of ability to get passive income from that property. So depending on what you're looking to invest in, you possibly could start with little to no money and buying a cheap rental property is a very easy way. And when you look at it, oh my goodness, if you bought a property for $6,500 and it literally burns down where you have nothing nothing left, you're not out $150,000, $200,000 or have to go through bankruptcy. You're only out the $6,500. So if you lose money in uh, one property, it's not nearly as bad as if you bought like a $200,000 house. So the barrier to entry, so you can get in and buy your first property very, very quickly. Another one, cheap homes have amazing cap rates. So capitalization rate is the ratio of net operating income to the purchase price of the property. So for example, if you purchase a home at $100,000 and it produced $10,000 a year in net operating income, 
then the rate would be 10%, which is $10,000 divided by $100,000 is 10%. Now let's look at the rate of return for my $6,500 property. I, I paid $6,500 total for the entire property and it rented for $450 a month. After taxes, insurance, property manager fees, the income is $300 a month. So $300 a month times 12, which is 12 months, equals $3,600 a year. So that one property that I bought for $6,500 brought me a profit, a net profit of $3,600 a year. So basically, if you look at it, I have all my money back within in less than two years. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So the cap rate, capitalization rate is $3,600 divided by $6,500. Remember, $3,600 was the total profit, the net profit after expenses that goes in my pocket divided by $6,500, which is how much it cost me to buy the property. That equals a 55.38% capitalization rate. Imagine a 55% return on my money in one year. So that means in two years, I literally have all of my money back. And then every year after that is just gravy. I'm literally making money and I'm not having any more money coming out of my pocket. So those who put their money in the stock market, you know, they dream, they really, really hope that they get a, like maybe eight, 10, 12% return on their money per year. So I made a 55% return on my money in one year from this one property. Isn't that absolutely amazing? So it's easy to get into, it's easy to buy the property and you make your money back. So fantastic. And another great thing about these cheap rental properties is the passive income snowball grows very quickly with $10,000 properties, $15,000 properties, or like mine, the $6,500 property. So with that $6,500 property, I literally had $400 coming in my pocket every single month. Every single month, it was coming in my pocket, no matter if I worked or not. So if you think about that one property that I bought, let's go back to my very, very first property that I bought for $17,000. It was rented for $550. After it was all said and done, I think I pocketed around $400 to $450 a month in net income. Imagine that first property as you picked up a snow, bunch of snow and you made it into a snowball. You're on the top of a hill. Then you take that snowball and you toss it down the hill and you let it roll down the hill. Well, as it rolls, as snowballs do, they grab more snow. And as it rolls down, it grabs even more snow. And the bigger it gets, the faster it goes down the hill and the more snow it grabs. So as it keeps going down, the longer it's rolling, the faster it goes, the more it grows, the bigger it gets. That is how it is with real estate rental properties. The passive income snowball keeps growing and growing and growing. So imagine if you bought five properties that cost anywhere from $6,500 to $10,000 cash total. So each one of these properties would bring you about $450 to $550 a month. And now after expenses, you're looking around $300 to $400 in passive income each month. So $400, let's just round up, $400 times five properties, $2,000 a month. Imagine if you can get $2,000 a month in passive income, how much quick, how much more quickly would you be able to buy a new property because you're making $2,000 a month if the properties only cost $10,000? So with a $2,000 a month, after five months, you have enough money to buy another property. And then as it just keeps growing, it gets bigger and bigger. Hopefully you see the picture of this ball of passive income coming in your pocket and getting faster and faster and faster. So if you're making $2,000 a month in passive income, after five months, you have $10,000 to buy another property that would make you another $500 a month. So each five months, 
you'd be able to buy another property. If that makes sense, hopefully it's just going to keep in the picture in your mind, the snowball getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is how I built up my business from, from starting from scratch. And in six years, I had enough money coming in my pocket every single month from my rental properties to where I didn't have to work my job. I could quit my job because I basically exceeded my income with my passive income. Now, those are some good things, some really, really great things. Obviously, I am where I am today where I can travel, you know, six weeks out of the year. Yeah, I go to Europe for six weeks, go to Japan for six weeks, or or I literally don't have to have a job. So many great things. But there are some downsides to having a cheap rental property. Let me go in th through some of those. So there are some bad things that you need to be aware of before you jump in. I will say, however, if I didn't personally do this, I would not be where I am today. Now, the first bad thing that comes up really quickly in my mind when I think about my cheap rental properties is the repairs on the property can add up quickly. Now, usually when you buy a property that is very cheap, like a $10,000 or $15,000 property, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in them, not necessarily just to get them rented, but maintenance to make sure that they're kept up. So the $6,500 house that I bought, it was actually built in 1917. So it's pretty darn old, right? At the time of this, it's actually 100 years old now. So being 100 years old, there are old things in it that need to be replaced. Either it could be a furnace. It could be maybe the roof was replaced like 20 years ago. It needs to be replaced again. Or the windows are, you know, shattered or whatever it might be. There's It's just an older home, so there's a lot of maintenance. Pipes might be leaking. You know, there's so many different things that can come up. So the problem is that homes like this have a lot of deferred maintenance that are required for the property to actually be occupied by tenants. So this $6,500 property needed about $2,500 to get the first tenant into the property, which, you know, out of pocket, I'm only looking at $9,000 out of my pocket to get this property up and running while I'm making money hand over fist, which is great. But all the mechanics of the home were at various ages and some needs to be replaced right away. Some could wait. It really depends on the home but you have a lot of maintenance that you need to take care of, a lot of deferred maintenance. So uh, mechanical items that you need to be checked, like hot water heater, the heater itself, like the HVAC, the AC unit, ovens, the stove, the dishwasher, the electrical, the electrical for the entire house. Um, some other items you need to check, like the roof, the foundation, the basement, the crawl space, cracks in the walls, so many different things that you're gonna have to look at. Now, I suggest getting a home inspector. That's one of your best ways to protect yourself and hopefully you get a good home inspector um, that is actually going to be honest and actually do the job right. Now, when you hire somebody that is a good home inspector, they're going to be the worth their weight in gold because you're going to know what to expect in the property. Let's say there's foundation issues, which I one property I bought in Texas, I actually had foundation issues. Well, I went back to the seller and I said, hey, there's foundation issues. It's going to cost me five grand to fix it. I'm going to lower my offer price. Even though we already had an accepted contract, you know, it was still in the um, contingency period where I can back out. I said, it's going to have to come down. I'm going to have to lower my price. They agreed to it because it had that. What's well, great. If I didn't have an inspector, I wouldn't have known and I would have to pay that out of pocket sooner or later. So don't go cheap and don't skimp on the inspection. Like don't skip the inspection at all. I mean, that's that's absolutely, you have to always get an inspection. But it should cost around $350 to $400 for a home inspection, but it's well worth it. Do not ever buy a property unless you get a home inspection. That's so, so I can't stress that enough. Make sure you get a home inspection and find a good home inspector that has good reviews, good ratings, and is really upfront with you. So another bad thing, 
that comes with a cheap rental property is the type of clientele may not be the best tenants. And there are ways to screen around them to make sure you get good tenants. I've actually had to figure it out the hard way. But the types of clientele may not be the best tenants because if you could imagine, they can't raise or they won't raise $6,500 to buy a property or $10,000. They won't save that in their bank account to buy a property to never have to pay rent again. This is the type of mindset that you need to remember that your clientele may have. So you're going to have to have that in your mind as you're finding tenants. Think about it. If you have a property in San Diego near the beach, more than likely they're going to want to stay in the property. They have money because it's expensive to live there. You know, they're going to be paying $3,000 for a place per month. Well, my other tenants in in Ohio, if they're only paying $450 a month, they either can't make enough money or they can't save up enough money, whatever it might be, but it's a different mentality. So these are some things that bad tenants will do. Number one, they won't take care of the property while they're actually living in it. I mean, they it'll be like a dump where you walk in and you're like, I can't believe people actually live like this. You know, that, that actually could happen. Now, obviously, this can't, everything can also happen with the more expensive properties. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's not happening. But these are some things that you need to be concerned of because I've ran into this all the time. Number two, not paying rent and accumulating lots of late charges. That's something that comes up very quickly. You know, if they get um, fired for their job or um, their girlfriend leaves them or whatever it might be, then they can't pay their rent. Well, their late charges start acting up and eventually uh, you may have to evict them. So not paying rent is another one. Number three, instead of moving out, they wait until the last day of the eviction process to move out. Basically, you have to kick them out in order to get them out. That is a downside. And, you know, these people have possibly bad credit and they already know it. So they don't care. They're just going to live in your property for another month or two months or however long the eviction process takes in order for them to, you know, live without a rent. Um, It's sad to say, but that's happened to me many times. Number four, they don't clean their junk out when they vacate the property. So I kid you not, I literally had to rent like four dumpsters for one of my properties after one tenant left. I think I spent like $2,000 in dumpster fees because of how much junk was inside the house. So they can leave lots and lots of stuff. And it's up to you to fix it and clean it because you actually want to get it rented again. I mean, they even have pets that I've even had tenants that left pets inside of the basement where there was so much poop all over the basement that they literally had to like acid etch it and get the smell out. It was that bad. So just think these are the types of tenants you may run into. They leave animals in the house and leave, you know, feces all over the place. Um, One tenant even left cats, literally like six cats inside of the house when they moved. Can you believe that? And they're peeing everywhere. I had to replace all the carpets. So, but you know, when you realize how much money you make from these properties, it's really just cost of doing business, but what's going to save your bank in, in the long run is if you find good tenants from the very beginning, you hold out until you get good tenants. So make sure you get good tenants. So the last thing I'll give you that tenants might do is they'll tell you lies about why they don't pay the rent, what's going on with the their their rent payment. You know, they had a doctor bill, their son was in jail, their car died, all these sort of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that they're actually lying I'm just, in my experience, I just don't trust any stories because um, I've found that a lot of them tend to be lies. So I just treat it as a business and say, anytime anybody tells me X, Y, or Z happened, I just say, okay, well, I'm really bummed. That's that's too bad that happened, but here's the process. It's a business. Um, 
it was due on the first, your rent's due on the first, it's late after the fifth, then we get the three-day notice going. Once the three-day notice is up, the eviction starts and you're gonna have to pay every penny until the, you're either evicted or if you pay every penny, you can stay in the property. Sad to say, but that's actually what's gonna have to happen. Now, again, I'm gonna say the what to get around this or how to get around this is to actually screen tenants first. Do background checks. And I Just like you want to background check a property by getting a home inspector, Background check the tenants. Make sure that you like their credit score if that's you know you're concerned about that. Make sure you like their eviction history, criminal history, their job history, all that sort of stuff. Do background checks on your tenants. I can strongly, strongly, I do strongly encourage you to do that. So if you want to run run a background check, which I strongly encourage you to do, I'll put in the show notes. I have um, the site that I use to run my background checks. They charge, um, I can't remember how much you charge, like 25 bucks or something like that, but you can get 10% off. It is my affiliate link that I will get a little bit of a commission for sending you over there. It doesn't cost anything to you, but it benefits me a little bit, but it's a great benefit to you because you get 10% off. So anyways, if you want to go there, go to my show notes on masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero one two and moving on. So the next bad thing that I want to talk about is crime in the areas of these cheap rental properties tend to be high. Now, I'm not saying any reason why, I just found that it is. So when you find properties that people can't buy for $10,000, they can't you know, buy their own property, it tends to find that you're gonna have a little more crime or a lot more crime. I've even had people break in while the property was being rehabbed, steal the copper pipes out of the basement and recycle that. So what's going to cost me like $500 to replumb and redo everything, get a plumber out there, make sure everything's all taken care of, of everything that they they took out. They're only going to make like 60 bucks in in uh, in recycle profits. And so it's really just hurts a lot. But anyways, so in every town there are good areas and bad areas, but in cheap rental properties you're going to find that there're going to be some negative areas. But it's also harder to find these areas unless you know the area yourself. And I suggest talking to property managers to know which area is a good side of town, which area is a bad side of town. Talk to realtors as well. They're going to definitely know that. A big way to get around the problem of crime in your rental area is to find and keep good tenants in your properties. Most vandalizations and crime come when the property is not rented. Obviously, thieves have a much easier time taking things when nobody lives in there. So after you do run a background check, find you find a good tenant, Try your best to keep them there. You know, if they've been in there for a year and a half and they have a hard time with coming up with rent for one month, you know, if they've been a good tenant, maybe be a little lenient on them. Don't say, okay, you're being evicted right away. You know, it could be that it's they definitely did fall on hard times and, you know, next month they'll catch up. Give them a little bit of leniency and that could go a long way. But at the same time, don't be too lenient where they get after three months, they still haven't paid you and they keep telling you stories. Well, next Friday, I'll get all my money and I'll pay you everything. And, oh, two weeks from now, I'm, I'm going to get my money. I know I didn't pay this last time, so you just you bear with me. Like, you're going to get lots of stories. But you want to be, you know, use your common sense and be diligent in watching these properties. So a good way is to make sure you find good tenants. Now, another bad thing is the fluctuation in passive income. Now, this was one big reason why I didn't quit my job any sooner than I did. I could have quit at six years, but the fluctuation in passive income was really, really rough. There was a three-month stretch that I had so many evictions, repairs, fix-ups, etc. that instead of getting thousands of dollars, I was getting like checks for $353 or $117 for like three months in a row. So instead of getting, I don't know, $10,000, $12,000, I was getting hundreds of dollars. It was just so sad. And it was because of this fluctuation. And so 
my family depends on my rental properties and the passive incomes that it brings in. If it doesn't bring in money, then my family doesn't eat. I have to get my mortgage doesn't get paid, all that sort of stuff. And so I didn't quit my job because I didn't have enough money to where I felt comfortable in order to quit where my passive income would take care of us. So let me give you some ways to make your income more stable from your property. Basically, if you implement what I've shared in this post by putting good tenants in there, by making sure you take care of the property, you can have a stable property and not have huge fluctuations in income. So you wanna make sure that you implement getting good properties from the beginning where you have a home inspector that goes to the property so you, you know exactly what you're getting into. You're running background checks. You're actually waiting for a good tenant to move in. You're keeping the property up to speed, you know, up to code and, and making it a nice place for people to want to live them. You're being honest with your tenants and giving them a little bit of leeway if they've been in there for you know over a year they've been good tenants and you're giving them a little bit of leeway so all these different things are ways to use your money to invest in a cheap rental property and at the same time protect yourself from the pitfalls one thing i'm gonna give you an example that a bad bad area that i have a few properties in i decided to actually do rent to own on these properties so the way it works out is 10 years is the term of the rent to own. So it's not like a, a land contract or anything like that. Basically, they rent to the property, and if they stick to the deal, 10 years, they pay the rent every single time on time. Then after 10 years, I give them the property. I will literally give them the property because if I bought a house for you know $9,000, after 10 years of getting $500 a month, that's like $60,000 that I'm gonna be getting in my pocket um, as opposed to you know $9,000. So I'm making tons of money. And on top of that, they look at me as the bank, or I tell them, think of me as the bank. If you had a mortgage, you call up the bank and they say, hey, the furnace went out. He's going to say, I don't care. You take care of it. It's your property. Same thing. You maintain the property. You upgrade the property. You make sure everything's fine. You get renter's insurance. You take care of the property. Just think of me as the bank. And so what's great about the rent to own is I have it as 10 years, a 10-year note. They give me a $1,500 down payment. With that $1,500 down payment, they give me first month's rent of $550 a month. And that's the rent. And they also give me a security deposit of $550. So that's $2,600 out of their pocket into mine for this property. Now, after 10 years, I don't have any expenses because they maintain everything. I don't have any issues with tenants because they stay in there. I don't have to evict them. But after 10 years, they get the property. Now, it's a benefit for me, but it's a huge benefit for them because they also have ownership interest in the property. They're interested in making sure that their neighborhood stays clean and free of crime. They're interested in making sure that their house is taken care of. So they have a different mentality. Instead of being a renter, they're now an owner. And being an owner, they are now having the ability to own a property and have pride of ownership. And that builds up the neighborhood. And so properties that used to be really run down, they now have tenants in them. Now with those tenants in those communities, they used to be bad communities where people didn't wanna live. Well now because I'm blessing people to live there and own the property, the community also gets better. The people in the area get better because now they have pride of ownership. And hopefully I'm benefiting and blessing this area to be a better area for my tenants to live in. All that to say, you need to think of ways to make your income stable. One of my ways, and this is one of many, uh, was to make a rent to own properties. And that's been a huge blessing to my family, but also blessing the families that are getting the property. Many, many times I have people telling me that I'm such a blessing to them to so that they can 
own a home that they normally would never be able to own a home. You know, they have bad credit, so they wouldn't be able to own a home or don't make enough money or whatever it might be. Um, I've been told somebody that, hey, you're such a blessing. You know, I'm counting you as, as somebody that's as just a, a godsend for me and my family. And so I find that as a blessing to me as, you know, I get income, steady income, but I'm also um, a blessing to them. And they are very, very blessed because they get a property after 10 years. All right, all you investors out there, this ends session number 12, where we're talking all about cheap rental properties and the good and bad about these cheap rental properties. Now, remember, I started my business with these cheap rental properties, learned a lot. So hopefully, if you're in the position where you need to buy with low or no money down, this would be a great option for you to get started investing in rental properties. Now, if you guys like the show, I appreciate a couple things from you. One, if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever system you're using. It'd be SoundCloud, if it's iTunes, whatever it might be. That would really help me out, get the word out for more people to be able to listen and learn how to invest in real estate rental properties. And the other thing that I want to do is I want to give you something for free. And it's just for signing up for my newsletter. My newsletter, I give out loads and loads of free content, basically things that I'm not going to put in the podcast, things that I don't put on the website, on my articles or anything like that. This is special content for those who sign up for my newsletter that teach you even more how you can change your life with real estate and rental properties. So go to my website, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Again, that was www.masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And there you'll sign up for my newsletter and I'll also send you loads and loads of great things for you that you can get started investing in real estate. All right, guys, get out there, start investing, look for new areas of the country where you can potentially invest in for low or no money down. All right, we'll see you next week. Hope you guys are doing well. Talk to you soon. Get out there and start investing. Start investing.